Good morning, church. It's so good to be back with you again and worshiping with you again today. I just want to give you a little update on, on what's going on and, and some of the things that are going on with our church family. Uh, just to let you know that we will be having our services online for the remainder of the month of April. Just some new information that's come out over the last week and, and some new mandates that have come down that we are be going to be continuing our online service for the rest of this month and certainly we'll reevaluate as, as new information comes out and the situation progresses. But for the time being, uh, we're going to be uh, primarily or solely on, on, um, on online right now. And so we're, we're glad that you've with, joined with us and, and so happy that you have been a part of, of worshiping with us. If you haven't been a part of our church family up until this point, we are so glad to have you be a part and worship with us. And Hopefully it's not too far in the distant future that we'll be able to meet again and worship again. And, and when we do, we'll be, we'll be pumped to get together again. And if you haven't been a part of our church family, we'd love to have you join us. But for the time being, uh, this is the way that we're worshiping together. And so we're, uh, we're going to make the best of these circumstances that we're in. And we're glad that you have joined us. And next week, um, just a reminder, next week is Easter weekend. And so obviously we're not going to be gathering together. Uh, but we would still love to have you join us for worship. We'll be meeting again at the same time at 1030, and you can watch the video any anytime during the day. But we would love to have you join us, invite friends, invite family. We aren't going to be celebrating, obviously, together physically, but we are still going to be celebrating together and worshiping together and celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior. So we'd love to have you join us for that. But this week, we're going to wrap up a little three-week series that we've been in over the last couple of weeks. And I got to be honest with you, when I was planning and preparing the things that I wanted to preach on in 2020, especially leading into Easter weekend, a three-week series in response to the coronavirus and, and all that's been going on was not on my radar at all. And yet, here we are. Things happen. And things have changed so much over these last several weeks and yet over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about some things that don't change. We've talked about some, some foundational things that are so important for us to remember, things that don't change in the midst of so many other things that, that have changed and seem to be so out of control, things that are so important for us to remember during these difficult times. You see, as we talked about last week, oftentimes fear causes us to forget, causes us to forget even some of the most basic and foundational realities and truths that, that we know to be true, and yet fear just, it, it clouds our vision and, and causes us to forget some of those basic and foundational realities. And so over the past couple of weeks, I've given you a couple of mantras, hopefully to put into your heart and your mind, and hopefully to call us back to those foundational truths and realities of who God is and, and how he's working in the midst of these times. And the first mantra I gave you a couple of weeks ago is, when things seem out of control for us, God is still in control, that he's not upended by all that's going on. He's not worried and fretting, but that he's still on his throne and he's still in control. And then last week we talked about the mantra that when things seem out of control for us, God still cares. Not only is he still in control, but he still cares. He's not distant and detached, but he is present and he is our refuge. He is our strength. And he cares for us even in the midst of these times when things seem so out of control. And because he cares for us, we can care for others. Like no one else on earth, you and I can care for others because we have a heavenly father who cares for us. And so this morning as we wrap up this 
little three-week series, I want to give you a third mantra to kind of go along with those other two mantras. And, and while the other two mantras really centered in on who God is and how he's working in the midst of this, these times that we're going through right now, I, I want to shift the focus a little bit. Not that these, this mantra doesn't have anything to do with God, because it does. But I want to shift the mantra, the emphasis of this mantra, more on us. And, and so here's the mantra I want to give you today. And it's simply this. When things seem out of control for us, we are perfectly positioned. Would you say that with me? When things seem out of control for us, we are perfectly positioned. And just like the last two mantras, I would encourage you to write them down, put them on a, on a piece of paper, stick it on your mirror or on your refrigerator or somewhere that you will see it and be reminded of this reality that we want to declare to ourselves, this is how we want to live all the time, but especially in the midst of these dark and uncertain times, that God is in control, that he still cares. And when things seem out of control for us, maybe, just maybe, we are perfectly positioned. And yet I say that, and that almost seems upside down and hard to fathom in the midst and in light of everything that we see going on in our lives and in our world right now. It's just hard to wrap our minds around that reality that, that we are perf perfectly positioned. But I truly believe that in the midst of this crisis, that you and I, if we allow ourselves to be, are perfectly positioned for God to work and for God to move. Perfectly positioned for what exactly, you might ask? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today, so I'm glad you asked. Have you ever had to reset your phone or your computer? Unfortunately, I've had to do that a couple of times at least. And why do we do that? Well, usually we do that because something's not working correctly, right? Maybe your phone is acting up or your computer is frozen or it's running slow. And so we, we reset to kind of get rid of all the errors, get rid of all the junk and return things to its original condition. We, we reset to, to put things back to where they ought to be, to where they should be. And this coronavirus, like it or not, it's here. And, and with it, it's brought some, some very trying and unique and, and difficult circumstances. But I truly believe that in the midst of these times and in the midst of these circumstances and this situation that we are going through, that we are perfectly positioned for a reset in our lives. And so I want to give you four things today, four, four areas that maybe God has us perfectly positioned for a reset in our lives. And the first one is this, that we're perfectly positioned to realize just how small we are, that we are so much smaller than we thought we were. You know, times like this remind us of that reality. And if there's one thing that this coronavirus has taught everyone, and I, I literally mean everyone, is that we are so much smaller than we thought we were. I mean, you think about, we've got some of the, the most, the smartest, the most powerful, the most influential people in our, in, in our world, in our country, working on this, trying to figure this out, trying to understand it, trying to get ahead of this microscopic virus. And yet, one thing everything has taught a lot of us, if not all of us, is that no matter how influential you are, or how many letters are before or after your name, or how much money you have, or how much power you have, this pandemic is so much bigger than any of us. A couple of months ago, maybe people believed that they were much more powerful, that they were much more in control. Maybe you thought the same thing. And yet this has reminded us how out of control we truly are and how small we truly are. And 
Listen, anytime we think that we're in control, that's, that's really just an illusion. And now all of us are coming to grips with the reality that, that no matter how intelligent we are, no matter how capable we think we are, no matter how big we think we are, we are so much smaller than we think we are. There's a great video by Francis Chan, and we were going to provide a link to that, and I would encourage you to check that out. You don't have to go through it right now, but maybe afterwards. And he does this zoom out where he starts in Southern California. I think that's where he is. And, and he zooms out and into a picture of the earth and then out past the, the, the sun and out past our solar system. And finally, he gets out to where you can't even see our solar system, much less our earth. And it's just this reminder of how in the grand scheme of things and in the, the scheme of our, the vastness of our universe, we are just so tiny and small. And maybe you've seen other videos that, that kind of paint that picture that we, that we are so much smaller than we think we are. And, and we are so much less capable than we think we are. I'm reminded of, uh, of all the teachers. It makes me think of all the, the parents who are now so much more thankful for teachers, the teachers of their kids, right? Now we're having to teach our kids so many things that, that we just took for granted that our teachers were teaching, and now we realize how thankful we are that our teachers were, were teaching our kids and taking care of our kids. Even my wife, who is a teacher, is so much more thankful for our kids' teachers and for the time and energy that they put into taking care of our kids and, and teaching our kids. We, we are so much smaller than we think we are. We are so much less capable than we think we are, and we are so less out of control than we think we are. And, and listen, that's not a bad thing, because maybe it reminds us that there's someone who is, which leads me to the second reset that we're perfectly positioned for, and that's to realize that our God is so much bigger than we think he is. It's not a bad thing to realize just how small we are if it reminds us that there is someone who is so much bigger than we think he is, and that someone is God. It makes me think of the song we, we sometimes sing with our kiddos. He's got the whole world in his hands. I'm not going to sing it for you. I'm sure you're saying amen right now in your homes, but he's got the whole world in his hands. And that, that's such a simple song, and yet that children's song carries with it such a huge reality and truth that our God is so much bigger than we could ever imagine that he is. Listen to these words from Colossians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writes this, starting in verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything, everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and by him all things hold together. That's pretty big, right? You know, in, in Isaiah chapter 40 in the Old Testament, God's people, the Israelites, for generations and generations had been going through some very difficult times. Times of war, times of oppression from foreign enemies, times of famine, times of, of crisis in their country and in their land. And so God goes to Isaiah, and, and he has a message for Isaiah that he wants to give to his people. And, and so in Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 1, God says to Isaiah, he says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her. And one of the ways that God wanted Isaiah to proclaim to his people, one of the things that he wanted Isaiah to, to proclaim to his people so that he could comfort his people is just how big God is. So, so look at verse 12. 
talking about how big our God is. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Verse 15, Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Verse 17, Before him all nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. Verse 21, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. I love that picture. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? God's saying, do you you think that I don't care? Do do, Do you think that I don't know what you're going through? Do you think that I don't know you're afraid, that you're scared, that you're uncertain? Do you think that I don't know everything that you're going through right now? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Part of what God is saying through Isaiah is reminding his people and reminding us of just how small we are. But that's okay, because our God is so much bigger than we ever thought he was. And he's still in control. And he is before all things, and he's over all things, and by him all things are held together. And he wants us to lean on him and depend on him and trust, on, trust in him. That's one of the reasons why Jesus teaches us to pray. Remember in the Lord's Prayer, he teaches us to pray. Give us this day what? Our daily bread. That's a prayer of dependence. You know, in our country, we, most of us, don't really have to think about having enough food for our next meal. We don't really have to think about that oftentimes. Truth be told, our our biggest worry these days is what to cook for our next meal because many of us are cooking more meals than we ever thought we would. And so it's like, what what do I want to cook for my next meal? Oftentimes we don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from, though. And that's certainly not a bad thing, but I think one of the things that does is it removes us from the mindset of daily depending on our God. And, and we need to be reminded of how much we need to, pe- need to depend on him. And part of this whole situation, these circumstances has really called us back to that idea because we, we don't know what's coming around the next corner. 
We, we don't know what's coming next with this pandemic and all the, the circumstances that it has brought. And so we, we need a daily dependence on our God. And you know what else God has Isaiah share with his people to comfort them? You know, not just of the reality of how big he is, that God is really, really big, but also the reality that God really, really cares. And so you go back to, to verse 11, right before he goes into all this that we just read about how big God is, this, this huge God who stretches out the stars and he holds the oceans in his hands. He also tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. God is so much bigger than we could ever imagine he is. And he cares for you so much more than we could ever comprehend. And he cares about what you and I are going through right now. I love this prayer of David. You know, David went through a lot of hard times, a lot of difficulties in his life. And this was a time when David was feeling really, really small. And he prays this prayer in Psalm 61. He says, hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. God, I recognize that I'm so much smaller than I oftentimes realize that I am. But God, I, I recognize that you are so much bigger and you're big enough to handle whatever it is that comes my way. And so lead me to a rock that's higher than I, that's higher than my difficulties, that's higher than my struggles. Father, lead me to you. And if one thing this, this COVID-19, this coronavirus does, if it causes us to realize just how small we are and to depend more on our big, big God, then I would say God is working all things out for good. Not that all things are good, but that he's working them out for good. Because it's very good for you and I to lean on him and to depend on him because he's big enough to handle whatever it is that we're going through. And so maybe in the midst of these times, maybe instead of focusing on how big our, our problems are, maybe we need to be reminded of how big our God is. I like how someone said it. Instead of telling God how big our problems are, maybe we should tell our problems how big our God is because he's big enough to handle it. Here's a third way I think we're perfectly positioned for a reset, and that's to stop attaching our lives to things that won't last. Stop attaching your life to things that won't last. With all this extra free time and family time, if you're like my family, maybe you're playing a lot more board games and a lot more card games and things like that, doing more of those things together. I hope you're doing them together because it's a good way to kind of get off the electronics for a little bit and just spend time with our family um, playing games and, and hanging out together. But one of my favorite games, especially when I was growing up to play, uh, is Monopoly. I, I love playing Monopoly, and I don't know how many of you have ever played Monopoly. Just raise your hand if you played Monopoly. You can put your coffee down or your donut or whatever it is you're eating. Just for a second, put your hand up. I'm sure most of us, most of you, at least at one time, have played Monopoly. And, and, and so what's the point of, of Monopoly, right? Or any other board game, I guess, or game for that matter. It's to win, right? At least in my mind, that's the way I think of it. And winning in Monopoly means that you have the most expensive and the best property, right? You have Boardwalk and Park Place and Pennsylvania Avenue, and you own at least a, a couple of railroads, maybe B&O and Reading, and, and you've got houses and hotels on everything, and you've successfully avoided both jail and the luxury tax, and of course you've got a boatload of cash, right? 
But let me ask you, what happens when the game ends? It all goes back in the box, right? Every hotel, every house, every piece of property, every dollar, it all goes back in the box. And so it is with earthly life. Now understand, it's not a bad thing to play the game well. But in the midst of playing the game well, we need to be reminded that there's something at the end, that, that, there, that the game will end one day. It all goes back in the box. And, and in our earthly life, it all goes back in the box. Every car, every house, every boat, every piece of jewelry, every 401k, every stock, every bond, every dollar, every cent, even these earthly bodies, they all go back in the box. And in so many ways, I think this coronavirus pandemic has perfectly positioned us for a reset in our lives to stop attaching our lives to the things that won't last. The Apostle John tried to warn us of, of this very thing in 1 John chapter 2. And beginning in, in verse 15, he writes, Do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, when he says the world, he's not talking about people. But he's talking about the worldly values, the worldly ways of thinking, the worldly ways of doing things. And so do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And listen to this part. The world and its desires will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. In James chapter 4, verse 14 Scripture says this, what is your life? You are mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now understand that that's not meant to be discouraging, but it is meant to reorient us to the reality that life is fragile and short and it doesn't last forever. Suppose you got into a time machine and you found yourself in Southampton, England on April 10th, 1912. Would you purchase a ticket to get on this ship? Probably not, right? And if you don't know, that's a picture of the Titanic. Why wouldn't you get on that ship? Well, because you know that in just five days' time, on April 15th, that that, that ship, Titanic, would hit an iceberg and would eventually sink. And so you wouldn't buy a ticket. You wouldn't attach yourself to that boat because you know that the outcome in just five days isn't going to be very good. And yet so many of us, so many of us do exactly the same thing by attaching ourselves and our lives to things that won't last, to things that are all going back in the box. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is talking about all the difficulties that he's faced and that he's gone through and how he made it through and the focus that he had and just his mindset that he had. And he wraps up all of his thoughts with this in verses 16 and through 18. He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, what is temporary is the hardships. What is temporary are the difficulties. What, are, what is temporary are the struggles that we are going through and the situations that we find ourselves in right now or any crisis in our lives. 
And what is eternal is the forever victory, the ultimate victory that God has given us through Jesus Christ. God tells us the outcome. Paul, Paul tells us that these, these momentary troubles, these light, they don't feel light right now, but in the grand scheme of things, these light and momentary troubles are far outweighed by what waits for us. And that's what God wants us to keep in mind. We know the outcome, and knowing the outcome makes all the difference. I'm a huge sports fan, as, as many of you probably know. If you know me, I'm a huge sports fan. And I grew up in Arkansas, so I'm a huge Arkansas Razorbacks fan. Everything to do with Arkansas Razorbacks, um, and specifically including the Arkansas Razorback football team. A couple of years ago, uh, Arkansas was playing in a game versus Ole Miss, University of, of Mississippi, a football game. And we did, I say we because I'm a fan, uh, but Arkansas uh, got one of the greatest comebacks in school history, in football history. They were down 31 to 7. They were just getting annihilated, down 31 to 7. And we ended up coming all the way back and winning the game 38 to 37. Now I watched that game live and I remember watching that game live and I remember being so frustrated and angry and just upset. I remember at one point I think I turned the game off because I was just so disgusted that my team's just getting blown out. Luckily I turned it back on in time. I think my brother called me and said, hey you need to turn it back on. We're coming back. And so I turned it back on and, and saw the final result. But it was not much fun watching that game live. I went back and watched some highlights from that game this week, being that all sports uh, events are canceled right now, and so that's the only way I can get my sports fix in. And so I went back and watched that game, the highlights of that game, and I got to tell you, it was very different watching that game this time than it was watching it live. I, I mean, all the Ole Miss players and fans, they're going crazy, they're, they're hooping and hollering, they're jumping up and down, they're celebrating every touchdown, every score, every stop that they got on us, and we're just getting obliterated. And the whole time, I'm just thinking in the back of my head, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it actually made me kind of smile as I'm watching them because I, I knew the outcome. I knew that in the end, despite all the stuff that's going on on the field, and we're getting obliterated, it seems like, in the end, my team wins. And the same is true for us as Christians. We know the outcome. That in Christ is the final victory, no matter what it is that we're going through or what it is that we're facing right now. And yeah, there'll, there'll be setbacks. And, and yes, we'll take a few hits on the field. And, and yeah, at times we may look up at the scoreboard and it seems like we're losing. But the reality is that one day the game will be over. And for Jesus and his people, it is nothing but ultimate victory. So stop attaching your life to things that won't last. Which leads me to the last way that we're perfectly positioned for a reset, and it's this. Not only to stop attaching our lives to things that won't last, but more importantly, to start attaching our lives to things that truly matter. One day a professor was teaching his students and he decided to drive home his point with an object lesson. And so he reached under the desk in front of him and he pulled out this large glass jar and he set it on the desk in front, of them, in front of him, and then he proceeded to grab underneath his desk some large rocks. And then he began to put the large rocks one by one into the glass jar. And so he filled them all the way up to the top, and then he asked his students, he said, is the jar full? And his students all replied, yeah, the, the jar is full. And so the professor reached under his desk again, and this time he pulled out some pebbles. 
And he began to pour the pebbles into the jar and he took the jar and kind of shook it to fill in the the empty spaces where the rocks were and and the pebbles began to fill in all those empty spaces. And so then he turned to his students again and he said, is the jar full? And the students again said, yes, the jar is full. And so the professor said, hmm, and he reached under his desk again and this time he pulled out some sand. And he began to pour the sand into the jar and it filled in all the crevices that the rocks and the pebbles had left. And and so he was pouring the the sand in and it fills up to the top. And again, he asks his students, he says, okay, is the jar full now? And his students are starting to catch on. And so they say, no, not yet. And he says, well, good, you're starting to catch on. And so he reached under the desk again. And this time he pulled out a pitcher of water and he began to pour the water into the jar, filling in whatever empty spaces were left behind. And then he turned to his students and he said, okay, now what's the point of this illustration? And one of the students raised his hand and he said, well, I think the point of the illustration is that no matter how full our schedule is, if you try really hard, you can always fit more stuff in. Unfortunately, that's oftentimes the way that that we think. But the teacher said, no, no, that's not the point of the illustration. The point is this. If you don't put the, the big rocks in first, you won't be able to fit them in at all. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never be able to fit them in at all. And there's no bigger rock than Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians chapter three, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, who, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So let me ask you, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with him? Have you given your life to him and been baptized into him? Because in the end, nothing else really matters. The only thing that matters is whether or not we've given our lives to him and surrendered our lives to his lordship and his saviorship in our lives. You know, there's a lot of things that we deem to be important in our lives. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important or that they don't matter because they are And they do, but in the end, the only thing that truly matters is whether or not you know Jesus Christ. Because listen, everything else goes back in the box. You see, in this current crisis that we're in right now, or any crisis for that matter, within those are opportunities. And we don't want to miss those opportunities. You see, you don't just have to go through this hard time or any hard time. You can also grow through those hard times. And so even though this this whole experience and these circumstances that we're going through right now, it may be hard and it may be difficult. Maybe, just maybe, it's got us perfectly positioned. Perfectly positioned to realize that we are so much smaller than we think we are. Perfectly positioned in the midst of that to realize that our God is so much bigger than we think he is. Perfectly positioned to realize that there are some things in our lives that we need to stop attaching ourselves to because they won't last. And most importantly, perfectly positioned to start start attaching our lives to things that truly matter. Or more specifically, the one who truly matters, Jesus Christ. 
And when all is said and done, if this whole thing points us back to those realities, and it points us back to Jesus and to a relationship with him or to growing in our relationship with him, then, then this whole situation, these circumstances, as difficult as they may be, will bring an incredible outcome. And God will work this difficulty out for good. Let's pray. Father, it almost seems backwards to say that we are perfectly positioned in light of all that's going on in our, our country and in our world and in our, even in our lives. But Father, in times like this, we truly see our need for you and our need to depend on you. And so Father, help us to see how, how small we truly are, but more importantly, help us to see how big you truly are, that you are still in control, that you still care for us, that you're big enough to handle anything and everything that we're going through in our country, in our world, in our lives right now. And so, Father, help, help us to stop attaching our lives to things that don't matter, to things that won't last. And, Father, help us to start attaching our lives to things that truly matter. And that is your Son, Jesus Christ, and a relationship with Him. Father, we thank you for the gift of His life. We thank you for the gift of His death. We thank you for the hope of eternity that you've given us through him. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks. God bless.